You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield Fight in Progress. Once again, it feels like we haven't done this in like a month. Or longer, yeah. I know. I don't know what's up. We have had an interesting week. (laughs) That's for sure. Susan had a little, what did the nurse say in there? You have a oopsie and go boom. (laughs) (laughs) Wanted to deck that nurse. (laughs) How's your trip? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's other people's comments. Yeah, and for those of you in the law enforcement crazy world, you know how the, the humor is when somebody falls and gets a black eye, especially she's 62. So I've gotten all the senior retirement home things. Thank you, Sergeant Tom Lovejoy, Chandler <laughs> Police Department, um, who has been one of our guests, and something about getting me a walker and yeah. me better, taking Better roll- suitors than a <laughs> replacement hip. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm taking Roll Tide literally and... <laughs> But and then of course you have Sherry and Dan who were on here, who come in and what do they do? They put rubber mats <laughs> and one of the yellow warning signs of a wet, wet floor, floor like you put in Walmart was now in my kitchen. Yeah, so nice to be loved. It is, you know. <laughs> but prior to that, we had a good three days with Border Patrol in San Diego. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Met a lot of nice people. We did, and um, a lot of great compliments on the training. Which still is what blows my mind. Right. Everybody <laughs> loves the training and then nothing yeah. happens afterwards. Yeah. You go, geez, okay, whatever. Well, hopefully that'll change. Yeah. We're, we're working on it. But anyway, so who's our guest today, Tom? You, Tom the bomb. You seem to know her better than I do. My beautiful wife. <laughs> bless, bless her heart. <laughs> my, like I said, my beautiful wife, Tracy. Yes. What are you bucking for? Have you done something wrong today? No, I've been good today. Operative word today. Operative word today. Right. How about yesterday? And the day's not over yet. (laughs) That's true. You still have a few hours. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And with her, I have till midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'll screw it up. I have no doubt. (laughs) I have faith in you, Tom. Uh, I really do. (laughs) So what do you and Tracy want to talk about today? Um... Life in general, I guess. Yeah? I guess uh, she's got a good perspective on what it's like to be the spouse of a law enforcement officer. <laughs> That's about the time we should have Jay put in the explosion <laughs> sounds. <Yeah. laughs> the spouse of law enforcement and TomTheBomb.com. Well, that's, yeah, that's not well, you are you are a unique individual. Remember, yeah. motors in your killer boots, man. That's right. And your assholes, and you write your grandmother and your mother tickets. It's CDI. Chicks dig it. (laughs) Not as you write tickets, they don't. Let me let me assure you of that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh. Uh. No, I don't. I don't know uh, any chick that's going to think y'all are all that. Good grief. Or chicks dig it. One time, we were. I was on a dinner break with them. And I went to open my straw, and the end was sealed. So I opened the other end, and it was sealed. Can't win the lottery, but your straw's sealed on both sides. 
He pulls his knife out of his motor boots <laughs> so and I can says, fix "Here." That for you. And you think I? Where's that knife been? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Doesn't even think yeah, about it. Good grief! <laughs> yeah. <sighs> you know, no wonder I'm needed so badly in this industry. <laughs> yeah. What about all our trauma from putting up with you? <laughs> So, Tracy, tell us all about your life as a wife of a law enforcement officer, <laughs> which you have to throw in there. No, I'll leave that alone. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point. But anyway. Well, um, our relationship is kind of a little different because I've known Tom since we were in second grade. Well, he was second grade. So I would have been first grade, I guess. Yeah, Second, third, something like that. I am a year and 20 days younger. That's all that matters. <laughs> I hear you. Rub that in every opportunity. <laughs> she does. So it helps that I, I know him well and we're in sync as far as that. But still, that's kind of things that we've been talking about over the course of, as the years go by in law enforcement, that even though we were close and, and talking about thing and I supported him over his career and toward this end, we'll kind of, I guess, circle back around why we ended up with Under the Shield. It's interesting to start, when he started becoming more emotional, and like going through his changes, you know, you take for granted because Tom seemed so well adjusted. Mm-hmm. I mean, at work, he was the go-to guy. Everybody loves Tom. I He's... am well adjusted. <laughs> That's not exactly the way I would describe yeah. it. Um... Because of us. Uh, yeah. You're still a team work. effort with Team Susan Tracy. You're still a work in progress. Don't judge me, people listening. Don't judge me. Um, you know, but he was the go-to, go-to guy, always calm, you know, just that kind of person. And at home, you know, he didn't have like the anger issues, you know, the drinking, you know, all the things that start coming for, for many of them, Sure. but he was becoming more emotional. We just realized something's wrong. And even though he was talking to me about some things, there were some things he was holding back because he thought he was protecting me. Oh yeah. Even though I assure him it's, you know, I, we can carry it together. She couldn't really handle it. Uh-huh. Susan said, whose Here choice is it? Okay. Whose choice is it, Susan? God, you couldn't make it in five minutes without getting in trouble. You know, I go back to my typical statement. Men are born stupid, stupid and you right? just proved it again. Wow. Susan said it's my choice to make right. I'll tell and you what I can handle. Five, I mean, you had seven hours to midnight, <laughs> and you didn't make it five minutes. I usually don't. Oh, I'm surprised you went all day. <laughs> Y'all must not have been around each other very much, but anyway. <laughs> so we're learning that things do still build over the course um, through the years. I mean, and, and again, even though he's on motors, his major job was a reconstructionist um, and all the accidents and fatalities. You know, so he's dealing with families and victims and you know, even before COVID, cases took two or three years sure. to come through. So he's still dealing with that, you know, cycle on and on and on. And it, it just over time um, does wear on you in addition to like, you know, losing friends. And I guess real quick, just about the spouse perspective, because I guess I got off. We just liked picking on you, so I got That's off it. topic. It won't be a lifetime today, you know, I'm because he's going to stick his foot in his mouth again at some point. I have it up on my knee ready. That's it, ready to go. I didn't realize until we kind of started talking things and when he retired, I didn't realize how much things were affecting me because I'm not like an anxious person. 
more nervous person or a worrier, but it was in the back of my mind. And like if he, when he ever got called out in the middle of the night, I would wake up every hour until he was home. Until she heard the Velcro. Oh yeah. <laughs> that magic well, sound. Say, absolutely. That's married to a fed. He didn't really wear one of those very often, but. Every time that vest, I heard that. <laughs> it was like, okay. So, and there were just times, like I said, it wasn't a constant worry, but you take for granted that it is kind of on the back of your mind. And I mean, when our kids, Tom worked different shifts throughout the years, but once he got in motors and started doing all the accident reconstruction, he was pretty much like seven to five. And then he just got called out. When he got called out, it's always the middle of the night when the kids are sleeping. Sure. So if it was a normal seven to five day and he was not home at five, our one son, Alex, especially, you know, be 530, he'd come up to me, where's dad? <laughs> and I was like, he just got, you know, held over a little bit for work. Are you sure? Yeah. I said, yes, he just got held over for work. Are you sure? Does something bad happen? And you're not telling us. And I was like, but if something bad happened, we would be <laughs> wherever we need to be. I don't know. I not, sometimes I actually have to just call him yeah. on the phone until he heard his voice. Yeah. Once I would talk to him and say, hey, I'm just held over at work. I'll be he home in a few fine. hours. But again, was this pre-accident, post-accident? Post. Oh, okay. So, no, your head injury? It was before. Oh, yeah, it was. Before oh, your well, accident. No, it was after no, your was accident. After, yeah, it was okay. post. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's probably why, because sure. they remember all yeah. those things. Sure. So it is. So you don't realize that things do affect you, even like you said, they're, they're still in your garbage can because they're in the, the back of your mind. I didn't worry Absolutely. about it, but it was still always in the back of mind. And we always said our goodbyes, our love, you know, I love you and all that, because you you'd never know. A lot of times know. I got from, I would say, I love you. And I would get, uh. okay, at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, whatever, go ahead. That's where texting comes in. At 4.30 in the morning, who knows what he got, but I responded in some sort. At least he wanted to kiss my ass. That's true. It could have been, it could have been a lot worse. F you. Yeah, right. Sometimes I'm not sure what she was saying, though. Well, that's so. okay. As long as you didn't know, it didn't matter. What you don't know can't hurt you. That's right. Now I'm like, remember those days when you went to work? <laughs> yeah, don't you need something to do now that you've been retired for how long? Don't you have a podcast to do? Go over to Susan's. Yes, call me. I think you need to get him, find him something to do. Don't you need to talk to somebody? She promised to keep you busy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll break something else in the house. He, he can fix that. <laughs> what I think is funny is I never, I never really thought about how much it Wait on her. Men do. You know? None of you men do. I mean, to me, it was just me going to work. But you heard and Mark Valenzuela said the same thing. I know. And like, if it was two thirty in the morning, it was just me going to work. Two thirty in it the was, morning it was my job. Sure. And then I retired on a Thursday. Friday morning, when we woke up, I asked her how she slept, and she said that that was one of the best nights she's had of sleep since she can't remember when. Sure. You know. Sure. And I Truly was like, did. why? She's like, because I don't have to worry about you. Of course, now she's over it. And she's like, yeah. Well, maybe we do need now to find a like, job. Now she's like having a hard time sleeping, trying to figure out how to get me out of the house. That's it. That's that's nice for a couple of days, but yeah, the newness wears off. Right. In it's like you get that puppy and then it grows up. That's right. But I think that's part of it too with you guys that y'all have that great sense of humor and even sick humor to joke about things. Yeah. It's the so wives that just stay awake at night stressing over this stuff, and I, I just have to go, how much of that really is that you really are that worried 
or how much of this is something else going on? Because you can't sustain being married to somebody in this industry 10, 15, 20 years and worry yourself sick every time they walk out the door. Right. Can't do it. Yeah, you you, you have healthy. to have faith someplace. Absolutely. Right. And faith is huge in it. Yeah. And and not just faith in something higher, but also in your abilities that you're trained right. and the people that back you up are trained. And, you know, granted y'all can have lapses of judgment right. we that we know. Yeah. But um, but overall this you're good at what you do. I thought it was funny, like there was a couple times where I spent, you know, around twenty four hours at work mm-hmm. and then I would ride home on my motorcycle and she told one of our police chiefs basically that if I got in a wreck and was killed on the way home she from was a call out, out your department. Yeah. <laughs> and she's going. He's like, okay, I understand. Yeah, these general orders off oh, yeah. six hours between <clears throat> shifts. Yeah. yeah, right. Oh, I, that's the only time I worry. Just general. Uh, that, and that's, that's the issue. And that was a point I was making to somebody the other day. I said, you know, I'm not big on government intervention and and all these restrictions and stuff but there's some things that you have to have that stuff like truck drivers like airline pilots but when they stop being smart because it's just like the requirements for airline pilots they don't take into consideration commuting time say they fly to la and they have to give them i don't know what it is now eight hours whatever Three of it might be commuting there to the hotel and back, and you don't just walk in a room and fall over right. into a deep rim sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but there needs to be something that keeps departments like they're doing right now, just continuous holdovers. Right. Mm-hmm. Guys aren't eating. They're not sleeping. They're not spending time with their families. And I understand we have issues in the public that we have to provide safety and protection and all that kind of stuff. But then again, if you're out there, and but we want you to be kinder and gentler and be nice to everybody, and you hadn't slept in 48 hours or <laughs> yeah. eaten but one meal in 48 hours, right. nobody's going to be nice. Yeah, it's pretty hard to be kinder and nicer to yes. people. Right. And, it's like, how can you be safe? How can you perform your your job? And Because one specific time, like I said, he gets up at 4.35 in the morning, worked his full 10-hour shift, literally got home, sat down for dinner, had a couple bites, and they called him out. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't home again till like the next morning. And he's on a motor too. Sure. So that's real safe. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One night I got home at about 5.15, sat down, had dinner, 5.30, got called out, got home at around midnight, mm-hmm. took a shower, laid, laid down, down and in got bed. called out again. <laughs> and, got out. <laughs> and got called right back out It's just a continuous. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and then I had a meeting early in the morning, so I wasn't going to come back home. Right. And some of that at that time was poor planning on the department's part, truthfully. Now it's short staffing. Right. And again, we all could have forewarned them about some of this stuff a few years ago, but what do I know? (laughs) I'm just some stupid female who... Talks funny. Exactly. And (laughs) thinks she knows things that nobody seems to want to pay much attention to. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. And unfortunately in this industry, it takes bad things happening before people start going, huh, Maybe we should think about this. Right. How did we get here? Yeah. Uh, well, and again, we've talked about it before. Look at the bank robbery with the two guys out in California right. that held off 
probably the best trained uh, right. SWAT team in the country. <laughs> and two of them kept him at bay until they got into pawn shops and got the rifles they'd been begging for. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. And it's and it's sad. And I've always said a suicide is going to come down to the spouse owning a department because the warning signs will be there and nobody knows what to do, so they ignore it. Right. Or they completely overreact to it. Because, again, they don't know what they don't know at the top of the food chain. Yep. Forget about where they came from sometimes. Yes, that too. And so it's, like I said, unfortunately, that's what it takes. But that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. So how much have you seen him change over the years? I would say the last two and a half years of his career is when I started noticing the change with him being more emotional. Like I said, well adjusted on the outside. Like I said, he, he was fine from all appearances because we didn't realize, you know, it was, was billing, you know, she even though. She would say, are you going to be okay if I was going into work uh -huh. you know, on a call out? It's like, yeah, I'll just get in work mode. <laughs> yeah. That we call it, he calls it work cop mode. That's what we call it. Yeah, and it is because that's true. But if like if something was going on and a perfect example of probably the most worry I've had was when when Chris died, because mm -hmm. that was very emotional worry for him for him, because, you know, what we got the call at like what, two in the morning probably from Chris. So, you know, he, he gets up and and then he finds out and his, we didn't know who it was. Who called you? Um, who was it? That... One of the sergeants from Tempe. Oh, OK. And just gave him enough information to know that he may have known the guy, but, you know, just a Chandler officer to get down there, basically. They didn't tell him who it was until he physically was present at the hospital. The sergeant who told who called you? me didn't even know at the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And your worry for him was how he would handle it emotionally? Well, my worry, the cop, when we got to the, the cop mode is... So when we found out it was Chris, he was really upset. And when he came home, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, he's really upset. And, you know, I'm holding him. He's crying. I mean, he's lost his friend. And then he gets the call that they're going to escort Chris to the morgue. And Tom's just like, I'm going. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they do. I mean, sure. he's his brother and he's going to take care of it. But, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking... You know, you're gonna ride that you damn got, motorcycle. You got, well, and I know he's used to getting woken up at two thirty morning, you know, because that's his job. He's on call. He's just gonna his motor. But there's that emotional component in it now, because I saw how Chris's death affected him. Right. And I was like, how are you going to be? You're tired, but now you have this added mm -hmm. emotion on there. And on a motor, your eye placement, like you have to be on your A game. And he's just, I'll be in cop mode. And literally. He says it, and you you look at his face, his demeanor. <laughs> he physically like changes, and he just gets in this mode, right? Which I also now learn. So they stuff down their emotions, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what right. I mean. Like over the years, so that's this perfect situation. You don't think about it at the time, but everything's. I'm going in cop mode. I'm going yeah. in cop mode. I'm going in There's cop no mode. Emotions. emotions have no place. Well, where where is all that going? That. And we've come to find out. <laughs> After years and years and years, all that stuff. Yeah. And Chris was just the catalyst. That's when it finally just sure. overflows. It's like, oh, so all these years of cop mode <laughs> are maybe the reason why now you're, you know, more emotional, not anger emotion, just no. pure emotion, sure. um, crying, feeling sad. 
um, anything could just just set him where he just felt like he could almost cry. Well, the garbage can could only hold so much. Yeah. And when you but look I had, at I had no clue about that. Well, I no, mean, your department wouldn't bring me in for training. <laughs> I could have taught you this a long time ago. Your analogy makes perfect sense Everybody once I heard it. But, you know, that. when when I'm going through that and I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on with me? Sure. Why am I like this? And Well, but I think a lot of it, too, is the personality that's drawn to this industry is able to set personal aside for the short term. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like I, I I do really well in crises because that's what I grew up in. My dad was sick a lot and we were constantly calling ambulances and stuff. And I do better in crisis mode than I do in day-to-day. That's why I don't do 50-minute sessions and 10 people in a day. I'd rather have three for four hours each and get to the root of everything going on because they're going to cry and there's going to be stuff coming up and that kind of stuff. And I think y'all are able to go, I've got a job to do. But you think in shoving it down in that garbage can, you've dealt with it. Right. And you haven't. You've just shoved it in there temporarily. Yeah. And that's, then when it comes up, you don't understand why it's coming up. Right. And what's making it. Or what's caused it now to come up. And then you go into that, something's wrong with me. Yeah. And that's that's a hard place to be as a cop. Yeah. And it's once people understand what it is, they go, well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that first time when we came to see you, I was, and you explained that theory to me. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Duh. Yeah. It's really not rocket science, people. <laughs> I wouldn't have come up with it 30 years ago if it was. But yeah, I mean, it, it totally explained, you know, it gave me that, that reason why. Sure. And that gave me comfort, you know, like, okay. But so again, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. It goes back to lack of training early on to teach you what to do with those things. Right. And how to even include the family in helping you empty the garbage can. Instead, it's that damn primitive concept, keep <laughs> personal and professional separate. Yeah. Now, fortunate for, for me, um, like Tracy said, we talked a lot about my job and stuff. So that, that was a big help. And I think that was probably, probably the main reason why it took so long for my stuff to come to overflowing. Sure. Cause y'all got married and you'd been on how long? How many years? I I know we've known each other forever. We never get it down to years. I think something that's important though, too, like you're saying with the, the spouses that, you know, even though we have a, we knew each other longer, but still, like you said, it's good to bring maybe spouses in early in the game. Yes, yeah. Because to. still, I would have to ask him, and women have to not be afraid to ask, because there's sometimes you could still read cues and things like that, Something. and not in a, you know, interrogative way, but yeah. just you know, in a casual flow of conversation about. You could even start, you know, how was your shift? Anything, but you know, just to kind of get them to, and he. You know, <laughs> right. But I guess my point in asking how many years were you together that you were a cop? Because you did have a number of years. Y'all weren't married. Yeah, you were friends, but you weren't married. Right. And so you're certainly, I would doubt, went back into that part of the garbage can and talked about it with her. Yeah. No, I didn't talk about previous stuff, I right. wouldn't say. But she was, 
Well, my kid, the boys were like six months old. Yeah. When, but from pre pretty much that time on. Yeah, because we were friends, and we, then we talked about all kinds of stuff. Anything sure. that happened, you know, we talked about even before we were married. Right. But there was still already a buildup in your. There could have been garbage yeah. in the garbage can for being a kid. There could have yeah. been from yeah. college. It, it, well, you would have already had your ten stuff. years military time, mm -hmm. and you've already had had, you know, your first few years on the force by the time we were right and it's not the kind of thing that you're taking inventory of your garbage because you didn't even know you had it right. right yeah i knew i had garbage from even in the military and sure. stuff that but so you were keeping it not from filling up and then ferrara probably is what filled it up the rest of the way yeah well and i i guess i was right at that brink because i was being so emotional right for you know like about two years or so. Mm -hmm. And then when Chris passed, that was, yeah, that just threw me over the edge. And sure. That was like, I've had enough. I can't, I can't lose any more friends. Well, and you know, the part I get tired of hearing is from all the senior officers who say, we have to change something. We have to change something. We've got to, you know, all this stuff about it. We've got to make mental wellness a priority. And then, but people still don't want to talk about it. And it's got to be the senior guys that talk about it. Right. And say it's okay to the younger ones to talk about it. Right, because the younger ones are still getting the same thing. Keep your personal and professional life separate. Don't Absolutely. Don't mix those two, which is bad advice. Mm -hmm. And then it's still that stigma of if you ask for help, then you're weak. Mm -hmm. And really, if you ask for help, you're being smart. You got, And they need to see the senior ones leading the way by right. doing it. Exactly. And that's I think that's what's lacking. Yeah. And I think it's important that that kind of stuff start to change at every level. Not, yeah. Not but it, I mean, it's hard, you know, level. like, I mean, I did 27 years and I never asked for help. You know, right. I, I mean, I dealt, I've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of dead bodies and seen all kinds of crazy stuff. But, sure. um, it, and I remember, you know, having that same stigma that it, if you ask for help, you're weak. Mm -hmm. So you just press on and go to work and do your job. Sure. And I didn't really, I didn't know that I should have asked for help earlier. But you, you know? probably, you probably had a desire to ask for help, but thought that that's an impossibility. Can't do it. Right. Like when I first started becoming emotional, I, you know, and I'm asking myself, what the hell's going on? Why am I acting like this? Why can't I control myself? And I thought I need to go see somebody to figure out what's going on, but I didn't want to. Because you didn't know where to go. Right. And mm -hmm. I don't want to go to EAP because right. I don't want to go talk to a counselor that's going to report back to my PD. Right. Or not understand. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, Which is most likely going to happen. What we're hearing happen. now yeah. a lot right. is they, they don't understand. The, so when you have limited visits, you spend your entire limited visit <laughs> just explaining your job and you never really get the opportunity to, to the get source to the root of, the of stuff. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times they can't handle the root of it. Like Mark talking about right. that one crying. Nice lady. Right. But cries at 11 seconds of a video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and people even saying too much trauma can't help you. Right. And that's why this program is so important to have people in a position that you trust, either recognize the things and point out, because, and that's why we really want to breathe life in this. Because I've been amazed in just the short time we've been involved in Under the Shield how much I'm meeting these people that have come to you because someone they knew 
referred yep. you because trust. And we're here because of Linda Ferrar. Yep. Tom just had little a moment. Little Miss Linda. <laughs> little Miss Linda. She's yeah. this little thing. Got to realize my husband's this big guy. She's this little thing. And something finally tore him up. And he's kind of trying to turn away, be the big guy. Like, you know, I'm not going to cry. Well, she just walks right over, slips her little arms around him. And the next. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That and the next day, I get a text message from Angela. My mom and dad really think that Tom should start healing and go see Susan. It was just very sweet the way they. Yeah. And then it was basically, if I don't make the appointment, they will, they will make it for me. That's it. And, and, but, and the, again, it isn't about replacing services out there. No. It's about bringing something in addition to the table that everybody can work together. That's what it's right. about. Right. And. You know, I mean, even the first time that Tracy and I came to talk to you, right. I mean, we were here for About four, four and a half, yeah. four and a half, almost five hours. Sure. And it, I know that if you didn't think that you could have helped me, you mm -hmm. would have put me in touch with somebody I else. I referred you up right. to the next level of care. Right. And I said, other professions have it that way. You know, you look now at lawyers. I was in one of the early, early, early classes of postgraduate uh, going to paralegal school. And I could do everything for the lawyers, a litigation specialist, except argue the case in court. Right. So secretary, paralegal, law clerk, lawyer. It's a team effort. We have it now in the medical field. You have nurse practitioners. You have physician assistants. Right. You have people who can do some of it, not everything that an MD can do. Right. But a lot of it where you're taking the load off of them. And I think the mental health world is one of the last ones to, to get open that. up <laughs> yeah. that, you know what? You don't have to have doctor in front of your name right. to know everything or LPC behind your name for licensed professional counselor to know everything. Because right. my education is exactly the same as any LPC. I just didn't sit for that state test. Right. You know, I take advice from a guy who finished law school that didn't want to take the bar because he didn't really want to practice law. He's been to law school. Right. He still knows the he law. He still knows the law. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I just wish that people could understand it's, it is such a team effort. We work closely with PhDs. Right. Um, we'd love to find more of them that understand the relationship rather than feeling threatened by it. Because I think that's what it's going to take for us yeah. to really begin to make a difference. And you have to bring the family aspect into it. It's a must. Tracy can talk to a cop's wife in a way that you can't. Right. Um, and, you know, we all love Kevin Gilmartin and we all love his book, Law Enforcement, yeah, uh, Emotional nice Survival guy. for Law Enforcement. Right. And it's a good book to explain to families why cops act the way they do. But Kevin Gilmartin can't speak to the spouses because he hasn't been a spouse. Right. And that's where the spouses now can be a big part of all this. You know, you think about even, well, just even like with your accident, um, you know, a spouse of an officer that has been a motor that has been in an accident with a head injury could, whether Tracy had ever met her or not, could have a different conversation right? and vice versa. It's, you know, I can have a conversation with families that have had their kids threatened. Like, 
no cop can. <laughs> right. Because mm-hmm. I, okay, mama bear, I'm, I'm the one with them. Your butt's going right. to work. I, I got to yeah. be proficient at all this stuff. And I think that's where we've really dropped the ball all the years is, again, we try to put the law enforcement officer in a box, in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Nobody operates in that vacuum. Right. Well, just like at work, you have to be a team. A team. Sure. It's a family unit. You're a team. I sure. mean, it it does. Those worlds overlap. Absolutely. And there's no way to avoid that. So you have to learn to navigate, you know, through that and be supportive. You know, there's a lot of departments or several out here that have started wives, officer wives groups, yes. which I think is really good because you get the wives connected to each other. But the wives better behave. Right. And not do this petty. Mm-hmm. Who's doing what to who and when and where. Right. Leave it as a support group, yes. not an opportunity to be checking up on people. Right. And, and I, I would hope that they would, like some of the wives groups would understand about Under the Shield. Because sure. hearing some of the training that, that we do with Under the Shield could be beneficial to the other spouses in their groups. Absolutely. And, yes. and I think that would be... And, you know, we haven't even talked about it on here. We actually have a secure Facebook group. You probably don't even know this, Tracy. I always forget about it because I'm never on there anymore because I have so much spare time. Um, <laughs> but it's called Partners in Crime, and it is a secure group. They verify that you are law enforcement or, I mean, spouse. And we have some law enforcement in there also. Um, and I can tell you that is a group because there are cops, there are spouses that are cops, there are spouses in there that they don't let it get out of hand with stuff that can go on in other groups. And I know they have supported a mom when her son in Florida committed suicide as a law enforcement officer. That group was there for them. They have supported people in line of duty deaths. They have supported groups and wives and kids and parents in so many different circumstances. And it is a smaller group. But you do need to get on there. Okay. And Haley Bridges, right. Chuck's wife, did a version of that for uh, Tempe, yeah. actually. That's, yeah, yeah. That was Partners in Crime right. also. Yeah. yeah. And this is strictly a Facebook page. Um, we have one open to the public, but really nothing gets done on that. And then we realized we needed to have a process. And we have very strict rules. And uh, the person that kind of oversees it, Doc, she's one of our stress coaches um, out of North Carolina. And... Uh, she's another one. She has her PhD in psychology, but she chose not to sit for licensure. And so she runs that like a tight ship. Uh, David and Teresa Cohen, our, our stress coaches also in Alabama, um, they're both on there. They run that thing like a tight ship. They don't let people start the yin We actually had a group that was removed from it for that mm. stuff because that's not the purpose of it. Right. It's to be better support so that the spouses can be better support to the law enforcement spouse. And, and families and know where to go when you're struggling with something. Right. And it's very beneficial. Yeah. There's too many departments that don't have anything like that. And the spouses, you know, when they are recognizing problems, they, they don't know where to go. Sure. Sure. And just going to your spouse's boss isn't always the best answer. Uh, let me recommend you not do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very rarely is that right. the right answer because you can misinterpret and once a bell is rung, you don't mm-hmm. unring it. Right. And, you know, again, reach out to us, reach out to partners in crime. 
um, you know, ask questions before you go up the food chain. Right. Because those aren't things that can get undone very easily. Yeah. At I, all. And that could just lead to a whole new set of problems. Oh, well, and we've dealt with it before. Right. Um, and that's, you know, and I have to laugh about the team concept because I had a psychologist in Florida one time make the statement to me that um, he was concerned about my involvement with his program because I was such a um, non-team player because he saw under the shield is just me. And I'm thinking, you don't understand. We got stress coaches all over this country and Canada. Do we all have to communicate daily? Absolutely not. I've trained these people and they're big boys and girls that go out and do the damn job. Right. They'll call me if they need me, but it doesn't mean I'm not a team player. <laughs> and I, I just had to look at him like, huh? You don't even know me, first of all. But I thought it's it's not me with the issue. It's um you're not asking questions and y'all y'all tend to be the well, ones and in my experience now i've seen firsthand there are people lining up to want to be a part of this team yes because the difference under the shield has made to them and recently when we went through that stress coach training there are like like 14 people in that room that were um sheriff's deputies border patrol fire department police and every single person there was there because of under the shield and they were there because they trusted somebody who were, so now you take that 14. So that's times, you know, you got 28. You, the numbers don't lie. These people are, are, are here to yeah. be part of that team because it's made a difference in their life and they've seen uh -huh. what it, it can do. Cause there was only one in the class that I had not met till she walked in and, she, but she was there because she had heard the good things right. from the people she worked with. And again, we've already got now, I think I have five names from out here of people now who want me to do another one after the first of the year. So if it wasn't working, right, people wouldn't be like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> but again, the frustrating part is that, you know, in the trainings, we had how many in two days? 70 roughly? 30 at something each yeah, class? At least. And when you take, say, 70 people... And you have to do one-on-ones for one to two long sessions to give them the same amount of information that you could give to an entire group of people. Right. Then it narrows it down to whether they even need to come in one-on-one -on -one, or do they need to go to Tracy or do they need to go to you or right. me or do we need to move them up the chain to our right. psychologist or whatever. And I said, that's, probably been one of the bigger frustrations for me. I see so many at Phoenix PD that individually one-on-one, -on -one, you're averaging four to six hours for the first sessions that honestly and truthfully, if I could have gotten them all in one big room with a bunch of them. Right. Most it, of that information could have been conveyed and they could. Absolutely. Then they could understand, okay, this is what's going on. And now here's what I need to work right. on. Where do I, where, at what level do I need to go? Yes. Yeah. And some of it, again, the garbage can has been the thing that has probably opened more eyes. Right. That they now have an explanation of not, I mean, y'all are crazy. Let's just, let's just call it yeah, what it is. A little. But you're not mentally ill. Right. But you start to think that you are because you start <laughs> to think about a dead baby from 18 years ago. Right. And why am I thinking about that one now when there's, and 200 five, in the yeah. middle, you know. Right. 
and you start to question your own sanity. Yeah. And that is what just frustrates me to death. And after those trainings, numerous people I hear say, now I know what to do. Now it makes sense. I mean, I hear that over and over again. Yeah. And the spouses finally feel mm-hmm. included. I actually got a letter, an email from one today from in California. And she said something to the effect of that she was looking forward to our coming back because she couldn't wait to advocate to other spouses how important it is for them to be in there. Mm-hmm. And and that's the kind of thing that makes and those departments, when you do that training, they need to do a better job right. of including the spouse. That's what I was spouses. just going to say, too. The spouse component is so huge. Again, I know they say they want to keep it separate, but you can't. The The two are going to be coexisting together, and you well, need that. Well, for our audience, if you hear that Under the Shield is going to do a, a mm-hmm. training or presentation at your department, then make sure your department speaks up and advertises for spouses to be there. Absolutely. And, and I understand, it's always been funny to me that when we have one of those and they're he- the officer is hesitant to bring the spouse because they don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and then by lunch, they're calling them, get your like, butt hey. out of here. <laughs> can't get a sitter, can't get off work. And so, again, the best way for departments to do it is to do that four-hour, especially now that everybody's so short-staffed, right. do two four-hour blocks in a day and then... Those guys, especially when I tell them I'm going to teach you how to have more sex with your spouse <laughs> than you thought possible, then they want that eight-hour yeah, class. They're like, they're like, hey. Yeah. And they'll, they'll bug somebody to death. Right. And they'll walk in with pen and paper. Yeah. You notice how fast they came back after lunch. Right. I mean, it was like, okay. And they walked in sitting up ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> it always cracks me up. Um, and again, it's not rocket science. It's just things people haven't been told or thought about. Yeah. But we have got to do a better job of including spouses. I would love to see a component in Under the Shield that trains kids. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, with so now everything's on phones, the Internet. Yep. Kids are being exposed to stuff, positive and negative, about law enforcement and don't know how to process it. Right. Right. And that's something to me that is really important. I've dealt with a lot of cops, kids, once they hit 16, 17, 18, and it's issues coming from childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like one of our stress coaches was talking about in the certification that they're both cops, and she didn't realize that one, her husband slept with a scanner because she worked at night. She didn't realize the daughter, who was very young, was being exposed to that, which created a lot of anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not an uncommon story. Not at all. Two <laughs> cops in the same household talking and forgetting. We got little ears listening to everything. Right. And they don't even know who to ask or what to ask. And so that's another component we would really like. I think I think parents get left out. Oh, yeah. You know, I always felt left out in the Marine Corps because Marshall wasn't married. But there was always stuff being offered to a spouse. And I'm thinking, hey. I'm the one that gave birth to that one. He wouldn't be here without this one. Where's my 10% off or whatever? It was my military discount. Exactly. I think I should have an idea. It's the Marine Mall. USAA will let you join. They did let me join, actually. And, um, but, but I felt kind of like that with Linda and Bill yeah. that, you know, yes, there's a very distinct 
place for his kids, absolutely. But I think sometimes parents are a little bit overlooked. Well, I know, like, my mom passed away when I was in my 20s, so, and I was in the military at that point. When I became an officer, um, and actually when I, after I went to be a motor, that's all my dad knew, uh-huh. that I was a motor officer, that I rode a motorcycle for work. He didn't, he had no idea what my job really was. And why is that? Um, he never asked. And you didn't and I, just volunteer? No. And y'all never had that conversation? Nope. Never did. And see, I, I think that is... And his world fell apart like he's a wreck when he had his accident. Because, sure. you know, his son is now... Sure. Yeah, fighting for his life. Well, and it probably never occurred to him that could happen. Right. Because, uh, you know... I mean, he did tell me I was stupid to get back on it after my wreck. <laughs> well, I can't argue with his logic. I can. I, look, I, I'm here today. <laughs> Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I made it. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't by your own doing. Well, that's true. It was by something a little bit higher than you. So you better give credit where credit's due. Oh, yeah, due. no, I, he, he gets all the credit. Absolutely. But again, you know, why do, I mean, we all have to do unpleasant things in life. Right. You have to write wills. You have to write living wills. You have to, to plan your funeral. You have to, nobody enjoys doing that stuff, but you have to do it. Why would we not do a better job of preparing families for what goes on in a law enforcement household and out here in this crazy world we live in where they're ambushing you and gunning for you and looking for you on duty or off duty? Yeah, I I don't know why. I, I think it still goes back to the same. Protection. Protection. We want to protect our families from that. And we're also taught from the very beginning to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. And when I teach again at Phoenix Police Academy in a few weeks, and because you haven't been there with me, have you? You're going to hear me hammer it on them over and over and over again. Every time they tell you, I'll keep it personal and professional separate. Just think, he's an idiot. Disregard it. The RTAs love that. They always love me telling them you were great. Think he's an idiot. Forget about it. Move on. Um, but it's something we've got to change. And I don't know what it's going to right. take to change it. Yeah. And and these family days, people go, oh, well, yeah, well, they prepared mine. They had family day. <laughs> what? Yeah, no. Family day uh-uh. is cookout and yep. everything This is all is the great, great things they've done in, yeah. the, in the last few weeks and months that they've been here. Absolutely. And, and life is going to be just one big ball of fun. Right. I, I will never forget early on when I started Under the Shield that I actually had a wife who had watched way too much Miami Vice. (laughs) And I thought, seriously, you really thought it was going to be life on a boat with a man, good looking, drove a fast car, had a pet alligator, would always be in a good mood, would always want to come home and have candlelit dinners on the bow of the boat and and dance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, first few months maybe. (laughs) No, might be once maybe but i was a- trying to make it at least a, a literal a, a little luring you know but, but there's a whole lot more that goes on that absolutely has nothing to do with that right and it it really is sad how misleading as grossman calls it the idiot box which is television um how misleading it can make oh, it yeah. mm-hmm. it either is going to scare them to death that you're going to be in a shooting like three times in a shift every single shift right and um, and everything gets resolved very quickly, 
and um or other stuff that goes on that doesn't happen in a career right I, I just laugh when I watch these things and I'm going wow that's really misleading yeah <laughs> Well, and then the CSI effect on the public, you know, because oh, everything gets solved in one Finger episode. Fingerprint this yeah. piece of cellophane that I found that I, noticed, I didn't yeah. drop it. <laughs> Fingerprint this rock. Yeah, that works. <laughs> and then just run it through that little machine. Right, yeah. And it'll pop up. Well, I, I mean, DNA, if nothing else. I mean, law enforcement does have some pretty cool, sure. you know, technology things that help us. But, but probably not but because it, they stole a skateboard out of your garage. Exactly. Um, and DNA is a little bit more complicated and very expensive and takes a long time. Yep. And it, it's just very misleading. And then that leads families to have a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if the guys aren't, and I say guys, it's not that women don't do the same thing to their significant other cause they can, but I tell them, if you aren't talking to your spouse, don't come home and go, you don't understand. <laughs> cause how can they? <laughs> right. Yeah, if we're not sharing. And educating. Yeah. Then that's not a phrase you get to use at all. So what are you going to do with him now that he's retired? <laughs> Make sure you're keeping him busy. Find another <laughs> job. We may have to get you a job at Costco or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm waiting for the motorcycle. Some time to decompress. He needs to take care of himself. And health. We, we talk, I mean, all this affects your health, too. Yes, not it just, does mentally and physically and we're getting you all shipped back in shape right yeah and all yeah i'm, I'm just happy i don't have to put that damn bulletproof uh, vest on it no kid, especially in the summer exactly no more summers on a motor yeah that that, that had to suck out here. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i feel bad for the ones in a car having yep. to get in and out with the gun belt and everything though but... most of the guys i work with would say yeah how often did you leave your office <laughs> Very few times in the summer. <laughs> to and from. But then he'd do the motor schools and I put, you know, sunscreen in his motor bag and tell him to wear a hat. Every day he'd come home. This is the one thing probably that wasn't the supportive wife. He'd walk in the door, bright red burn, and I would just look at him and say, dumbass. Yep. It's <laughs> like he didn't wear his hat. He didn't put a sunscreen. Like, it's not that you didn't oh. provide and give him education. Oh, yeah, no. He chose not to. Can't feel bad. And there people. was many times riding home going, oh, I, I know I'm going to get it's it coming. today. It's coming. Absolutely. But again, you know, we obviously can't cure stupid. Right. And cannot fix that. As much as we try, so spouses, be patient. Again, sometimes you just can't fix that part of them. And you just laugh and go, uh-huh, and don't treat them and baby them and all that kind of stuff. Just go, yeah, you're on your own. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we, we probably need to have a comedy hour. Um, and, and speaking of comedy, I do have to tell you, I went to hear Kathleen Madigan the other night, and it was so worth it. I can't emphasize enough to the audience. First responders and military and spouses, you need to be going to hear a comedian. Mm -hmm. Not just TV and the computer. You need to be around people. There was stuff I laughed at with the opening act that wasn't funny, but I laughed because the audience right. Everybody else is was laughing. laughing. Yeah. And it's so contagious. Right. And boy, Well, you need those outlets. Again, isolation. Yes. It's like, you know, being with people, do, there, there are some ways that... You know, you'd release some of it. And what therapy that was. Y'all yeah. really need to go hear Ron White when he comes in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I like you really Ron. do. <laughs> and it, it's, even if it's standing room only, it's worth standing there for two hours to listen to. Yeah. 
But I really encourage the audience to do that. Y'all don't get to laugh enough now with body cams and you don't get to laugh enough with your families. Right. And this is something that you really, it's just too important. Yeah, it is. And I experienced it. That was probably one of the most healing things I've done since Chris died, truthfully. Yeah. And it's good therapy. It is. And it's something you have to make a concerted effort to look it up, find out when somebody's there that you care about, go to a comedy club and go and enjoy and yeah. laugh. Take friends. Because again, the more people laughing, the better, the it, better is. it is. Yeah. Absolutely. So I expect to hear you two are going to a comedy club or a comedian sometime See, that in the probably next helped you for a year because our youngest son did improv for a while at Downtown Chandler and we went every yeah. week. Did you really? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was fun. He was actually really good. Why did he stop? When he got sick. Yeah. He had to take a step back from it. But you know where the places are, so go. Yeah. It's too important. What other words of wisdom do you have to give to the spouses out there, Tracy? I don't know if I have words of wisdom, but again, just realize you're in it together and that support is really important and communication because it, they will go elsewhere. Yep. You know, if you're not there in it with them and you're in it with them. So you might as well be in it with them. Okay. <laughs> well, I said I could be Marshall's biggest stressor or his biggest stress reliever. Yeah. And with some education and somebody giving me some information, I could actually make that determination. Sometimes I was the biggest stressor because I didn't know any better. And again, that's where training comes in and talking to other spouses. And it's it's too important. It can make a home needs to be a safe place. Right. Not a place for more conflict and problem solving that you, the law enforcement officer, has to handle everything. Yeah. And you know, and I would I would encourage all the spouses, you know, especially if you see a change, to talk to your spouse and find out what's going on. Sure. Um and as for the officers, if your spouse asks you what's going on, what are changes, have an honest conversation with them. Sure. Let them know what's going on because you just, just by talking can really make you feel a lot better. And if it's absolutely nothing, like the example I gave in class <laughs> yeah. where the wife gets all spun up, knows he's having an affair and doesn't love her anymore, and all he's thinking about is his rifle won't zero in. Right. Even tell him that. Yeah. Don't say it's nothing and it has nothing to do with you because our imagination can get, just say, yeah. struggling with the sights on my, my rifle. Right. Training we'll go, today sucked. Yeah. Whatever. And we'll go, okay, if that's all you got to worry about, your life's pretty good. But okay, <laughs> at least I know what's going on here. Right. And that's important. And again, reach out to Under the Shield. Exactly. You want to talk to a spouse, you want to talk to Tracy, I'll put you in touch. You want to talk to Tom, you want to talk to any of our stress coaches. It, you don't have to deal with me. Um, believe you me, I've got my plate pretty full <laughs> and I'm happy. You won't hurt my feelings at all to call and go, well, Susan, I don't really want to talk to you. I want to talk to Tracy. Hey, we'll can make that connection immediately. <laughs> yeah. So, she's not working. So yeah, that's right. Neither, <laughs> what are you talking about? You aren't either. Uh, I'm over here sometimes. Define working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's taking care of me. So I guess she is working. She's working. That's a full-time job. Absolutely. But you know, reach out to us. Our toll-free number, 24-7, is 855-889-2348. My cell number, uh, 334-324-3570. Um, you can email us. You can find us on Facebook at Under the Shield. We still have Fight in Progress on Under the Shield. Yes, we do. I, I mean, on Facebook. Yep. We have Twitter. 
We have Instagram. Insta- Why can I never remember that one? Um, yeah. What else do we have? I, I remember. <laughs> I don't know. I'm either. not a social media person. <laughs> yeah, you need to work on that. The billboard um, on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably find my number in a good time. Some men's bathrooms right. around here because that's what they do for fun. And um, but reach out and and again, you will get someone. We're not going to. We are not something that gives out, just passes you off to resources. Um, if you're fire, we have fire stress coaches uh, here in the Valley and in other parts of the country. We can Zoom. We can talk over the phone. Whatever you're comfortable with. This is about, not about us. This is about the people that need the help. Exactly. And I promise you, you will never be asked your name, who you work for, Occasionally, we ask if you're comfortable telling us what part of the country you're in. In the event we have a stress coach close by that you, if you'd like to meet with them face to face, they'll meet with you at a Starbucks if that's what you want. They'll come to your house. You know, we're pretty flexible in how we do this. We're not bound by all the restrictions right. of the licensure world. And again, they're not bad people. It's stuff they have to do, and we understand that. We've just chosen not to fall into that category. Right. So gives us a little bit more freedom to work in different ways. Well, we're working with a population that doesn't work nine to five Monday through Friday. Right. And that's why I laughed at somebody the other day telling me I needed to do a better job with my scheduling. And I said, so should I focus on day shift, swings, (laughs) or midnights? (laughs) And they went, oh, yeah. (laughs) And so that means for me, seven days a week. And I'm good with that. I don't expect it from all the stress coaches. Tom's going to have to step it up a little bit. Yeah. But. <laughs> but again, reach out to us. I promise you won't regret it. No one will ever know you've called us unless you tell them. And what that's what that's kind of the funny part. The ones that come in here super paranoid. And they'll come in here and make me move my car out of the garage so they can park <laughs> there like, like they're spies here in my cul-de-sac in my neighborhood. And within two or three visits, they're running around their department telling everybody they're seeing me. Right. And... So reach out to us. You can be a, I tell you what, here's the deal. If you're that afraid, give me your chief or sheriff's name. (laughs) And if you don't know one, I'll give you a name. Right. (laughs) That I swear that's who it was that called me. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not about names and who you work for. The stories are very similar all across this country and in Canada. What's important, and spouses, this goes for you too. Reach out to us. If you have some concerns about some changes, Reach out to us. We can at least maybe give you some things to ask, some things to look for, rather than jump into conclusions and going completely crazy. Reach out. We're pretty much here to answer. We've done everything from finding attorneys for people that have been injured to so many resources out there. And we'll, if we don't have them, we'll find them. Exactly. And that's the beauty of having so many stress coaches and, now we have, is it 14 or 16 more that we're in that class? It was 16 in that class. Okay. And so we have 16 more here in the valley and down on the border. Um, and we'll put you in touch with them. So reach out to us. Just more people that are in it with you. You're not alone. That's it. Yeah. And we'll get this thing spreading all over this country. About the time I kick the bucket, y'all can put it on my tombstone. <laughs> she almost made it. <laughs> and then y'all got to pick it up right with it. <laughs> But thanks for listening, and again, we hope you'll join in next week. It'll be another surprise mystery guest next week. It will. Yeah, and uh, 
But Tom the Bomb will be here and I will be here. And, you know, send us your suggestions. If you want to be on our podcast, we'd love to have you. Right. Reach out to us. Absolutely. And uh, Jay, I'm sure our director has a way of making sure that your comments and things get to us. You, actually, you can email me at Susan.Simmons with one M, S-I-M-O-N-S, at undertheshield.com. Yours is? I don't know what you set it up as. <laughs> so typical. You should have told me. For him. <laughs> I have to do everything for him. Isn't it Tom.Hobble at undertheshield.com? Have you even set it up? Yeah, I, I set it up, but I haven't looked at it in a couple Probably of weeks. Probably got 5,000 <laughs> emails No, in I there. know there's not. But you have to know how to spell my last name, well, too. Well, then you need to spell that So H-A-U-B as in boy, O-L-D as in dog. You can private message just on Facebook, too. Right. I don't know if all those other things have private messengers. Um, Facebook does. Instagram, you can. You can, oh, mess- you can. You can, you can do a private message. We're on Signal, too. And that was something new to me. So you can text me on my cell number again, 334-324-3570. Thanks for all you guys and gals do out there. And, and again, the families, the sacrifices that are made. We understand the general public really and truly does appreciate it you just don't hear it very often you hear from the loudmouths that don't and we want you to know we appreciate everything you do and the sacrifices and there is life after retirement here are two people that will tell you that and it's a good life yeah and they can encourage <laughs> you that way so come back and see us next week god bless you stay safe and uh, we love you out there thanks for listening <laughs>